Today, we're going to learn about the MDA Game Design Framework. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. Welcome to the 54th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zachavelli. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Zachavelli underscore. And I also have been streaming a lot of game dev stuff recently. Big thanks to everyone who came out and supported me over Let Them Dare. That was a super fun weekend. And yeah, I'm looking forward to streaming more game dev content. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash underscore. I also want to mention we have an open community Discord that anyone can join. There's an open invite link in the show notes. It's an excellent place for beginning to intermediate game devs to just congregate and talk about the craft of game devs. So I'd really encourage you to go check that out. And lastly, I did want to mention that this topic was picked by the patrons. If you become a patron, you get to vote on the topic for one episode per month. And this one was their choice for the month of April. So yeah, with the intro out of the way, let's move on over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt to the listeners and they respond with a submission based on whatever the challenge is for the episode. And usually I try to have the challenge relate to the content of the episode. It's meant to be like a 15 to 30 minute exercise to just kind of reinforce the themes and information on the show. For episode 53, we talked about replayability and designing games that are replayable. And so the episode 53 game dev challenge was to take a linear game and add some replayable elements to it. And I got to say, you guys have been really killing it with the game dev challenges recently. We got a ton of submissions and a ton of really quality submissions. Honestly, it was hard to vote because I pretty much thought all of them were quality and had good insight. However, there can be only one winner, and the community has picked a winner with their votes. So, without further ado, the episode 53 Game Dev Challenge winner is Bastis. Bastis's post says, For the Game Dev Challenge, I thought you could, instead of add a New Game Plus you could do a new game minus. In a fighting game like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, add a simple counter to keep track of how many times the player has used each type of attack. When the player has finished the game, they can do another playthrough with the same character, but they lose their most used attack. That player must then find a new fighting style with the same character. After a second playthrough, the most used attack is disabled for the next playthrough. If the player keeps beating the game, they are eventually limited to just one attack type. This seems like a very easy thing to implement and offers several things to the player. More gameplay hours, the need to adapt to new playstyles, and strategic choices. Should I save the powerful all-around attack for my last playthrough, or just complete the game on the iteration I'm currently on? I'm really glad that everyone else also thought this was a great uh, post because... Bastis really shows an understanding here of sort of the, I think last episode we called it the challenge factor to a replayable game. I think this is a really awesome and creative idea. 
in episode 53, we talked about new game pluses and offering new content or remixing old content so that the player could play through the game with something new. And basically, this does this, uh, does take away attacks, but it offers new strategies and new challenges. And I really like the idea of like the player strategizing, do I beat this first time through? Do I beat it with my best attack? Or do I save that for later playthroughs? It's such a cool idea and a really creative uh, way to take the theme and challenge. And yeah, I just want to congratulate Bastis for winning the episode 53 Game Dev Challenge. For episode 54, I want you to break down a game idea or an already existing game with the MDA framework. We're going to talk about what exactly the MDA framework is, and I'm even going to break down a game idea uh, later in the episode using it, so... That'll be a good kind of example of what I'm looking for. But I think once we're done with this episode, you guys will see how flexible and how deep the MDA framework can go and how it's a really good idea uh, or a really good model, I guess, to present a game idea. So yeah, if you have a cool game idea or just want to break down an already existing game using the MDA framework, you can submit that on the community Discord. There's an open invite link in the show notes. Just go to the Game Dev Challenge channel and post your idea. The community will vote on the best idea, and I will read it live on next episode. With the Game Dev Challenge out of the way, let's move on over to the body of the episode. Today's episode is going to be a bit of an academic one. We're going to analyze game design from the MDA framework and learn how to apply it to games, including ones we design ourselves. Now this might be the kind of thing you would learn in like a college or university lecture if you were studying game design. And I have sat and slept through many college lectures, so I know how boring they can be. So with that being said, I'm going to do my best to break down an academic game design paper without making it boring or just an information dump that numbs the brain. This episode will be based on the paper MDA, A Formal Approach to Game Design and Game Research by Robin Hunnicky, Mark LeBlanc, and Robert Zubeck. I'll link the paper in the show notes so that you can read it for yourself, but I am going to break it down for you and maybe modernize some of its examples and look at some criticisms of the framework. So let's get started. First off, what is the MDA framework? Well, the MDA framework is an approach to formally understanding game design. The MDA stands for Mechanics, Dynamics, and Aesthetics. And it sort of breaks down a game's design into those three components, each sort of influencing the others and they're linked at the ends, meaning you can think of it like a straight line. Mechanics affect the dynamics, dynamics affect the aesthetics. We'll dive a little bit deeper into the links in a second, but first let's break down each component. The mechanics component is what it sounds like. It's the mechanics of the game. It's the small systems and features and the ways that the player actually interacts with the game. In an FPS, for example, it would be the guns, the ammo, the movement, reloading, etc. The dynamics I like to think of as how are the mechanics used. It's more about how the player or players use the mechanics over time. In an FPS game, I think it would be represented by things like players using cover, players flanking each other to get the edge. It could be stuff like loadout strategies, like what guns are you going to use in certain situations. You can think of dynamics as just the next step on top of mechanics. It's how the player uses the mechanics. Lastly, we have the aesthetics. 
Now, I've used the term aesthetics before to talk about uh, game dev. And when I used it before, I usually meant it in the art context of game dev. But for the purpose of this paper and framework, aesthetics is only really tangentially related to art. Remember, this is specifically a game design framework for game designers. The art really has nothing to do with this. This isn't a game development framework. So in this sense, aesthetics really lines up more with the feeling of the game and gameplay rather than the art. And if you think about it, aesthetics in this sense lines up with what I describe as the golden rule. Long-time listeners will know my golden rule for game dev. It's to evoke an emotion or specific experience and use that as a design philosophy for everything you do. And let me read you this direct quote from the paper. Aesthetics describes the desirable emotional response evoked in the player. So I guess if you've ever doubted the golden rule before, just know that I didn't even know about this paper when I first brought it up. And yet we both came to the same conclusion that focusing on and evoking specific emotions is important. That just gives me confidence that it is indeed a good philosophy. But let's look at how it's applied here in MDA. The paper breaks down describing aesthetics into an actual taxonomy, or I guess you could just call them categories. And these categories, the paper explains, are what makes a game fun. They mention eight specific ones, but it does say it's not limited to these eight. But anyways, the eight categories are sensation, which is fun from a sense pleasure, fantasy, which is fun from make-believe, narrative, fun from drama, challenge, fun as an obstacle course, that's what the paper says. Uh, it feels weird to describe that as fun as an obstacle course, like that's weirdly narrow. I would just describe it as fun from competition. The next category is fellowship, which is fun as a social framework. Discovery, fun from uncharted territory. Expression, fun in self-discovery. And lastly, submission, fun as a pastime. And they give a few examples, and that really helped me cement the idea of what these aesthetics mean. I mean, when you say the categories, it's kind of hard to understand, but with these examples, I think this will cement it for you. They give the example of the party game charades, or charades, however you say it. And they say the source of fun for that aesthetically is fellowship, expression, and challenge. Right? It's a game you usually play at like a dinner party or with friends or something, so there's the fellowship angle. It heavily relies on how you personally interpret the secret word and how you express it. So there's fun there in the uniqueness of your expression. And the challenge factor of it is that you can't just come out and say the secret word. You have to act it out and help your teammates guess. And according to this paper, those three things, the fellowship, expression, and challenge, is what makes a game like Charades fun. Let's look at a video game example that's in the paper. They say The Sims focuses on discovery, fantasy, expression, and narrative. I can certainly see the fantasy and expression angles. I mean, people who play Sims, including myself, you like to like build your dream house, give your person their dream career. Express yourself by putting your annoying neighbor in the pool and taking the ladder out. <laughs> but yeah, that, this paper is a little bit older. Uh, it mentions other games like Quake as one of its examples. But I think here's a chance to maybe modernize it a bit and look at some newer games. Minecraft is one that I think most people know. And aesthetically, I would describe Minecraft as discovery, expression, fellowship, and maybe even challenge. 
a big part of Minecraft is exploring and therefore you have your discovery angle. Expression is obviously in the building part. Fellowship when you play Minecraft with others. And the challenge is getting to the end. And is it called the Ender Dragon? I guess the challenge just comes from surviving. You could look at it that way. Another example might be World of Warcraft. Aesthetically, the fun comes from the fantasy, the fellowship, the narrative, and the challenge. Something like Guitar Hero would aesthetically be about the sensation of the music, the challenge, the expression, and maybe even submission. So I hope those examples maybe show you how the MDA framework describes uh, aesthetics. You can kind of just think of it as the emotions and experiences associated with the game and therefore where the fun comes from. Now that we've identified each of the components, I think next we should understand how they connect and are used to model a game's design. Well, as I said earlier, the MDA is in that order on purpose. The mechanics influence the dynamics, and the dynamics then influence the aesthetics. Let's go back to our FPS examples. The overall gun mechanics lead to strategy and dynamics like using shotguns up close, snipers from far away, which then leads to the aesthetics focused on challenge, tactical fantasy, and maybe even narrative. This paper does mention that when thinking about game design, it's helpful to actually think about MDA in a reverse order. In other words, figure out the aesthetics you want first and then figure out the dynamics that will result in that and then figure out which mechanics you need to create those dynamics. So I hope that makes sense. You're going in reverse order from aesthetics to dynamics to mechanics. This works great because it makes sure you're focusing on designing an experience and make sure that the mechanics of the game are all nicely tied together. If you do it the other way around, you're designing a game based on just mechanics, and you might run the risk of having a game with lots of interesting mechanics, but no real direction and no real way for all of them to come together. When you do it this way, when you do the mechanics first design, um, some of the mechanics might feel discombobulated and forced. Because, like I said, all you've done is design a list of mechanics. You haven't really designed an experience. Let's further cement this idea by practicing and coming up with a game idea on the spot using an MDA framework. Let's say we want to make an RPG and of course we're going to do this in the reverse order so we're going to start with the aesthetics. For our RPG aesthetically we're going to want to focus on fantasy, narrative, and expression as these are things that I think are fun uh, by default about the RPG genre. What kind of dynamics leads to a fantasy, narrative, and expression experience? Well, a certain kind of fantasy is a power fantasy. So it'd be cool to have a dynamic where the player character could be incredibly powerful either in strength or magic. It would also be cool to explain this power through a long story. And maybe we want to evoke that expression aesthetic by allowing the player to customize their player character. Now, with the dynamics identified, we can ask ourselves, what mechanics do we need to achieve those dynamics? Well, if we want to do the power fantasy, we'll need combat mechanics and probably stat mechanics as well. That way we can show how much stronger the player character is. If we want a long, overarching story to achieve our narrative goals, 
will want cutscenes and dialogue text pop-up mechanics to explain the overarching story. And if we want the player to have expression through customization, maybe we should have character creation tools or a class system. That way the player can say, I look like this, and I think of myself as a cunning rogue or a giant barbarian. By coming up with this game idea for an RPG using the MDA framework, I hope you can see how it's almost organized our thoughts. It's created a clear path to what mechanics we need to develop the RPG that's the outcome we want. This is a great way to sort of organize your ideas for games and essentially what you want to do for this episode's game dev challenge. In fact, if we're treating this episode as a college lecture about MDA, then I guess that would be the assignment, the game dev challenge. Another nice thing about the MDA is it works well as a process you can iterate. Let's take our RPG idea. It feels a little generic, doesn't it? Basically, it's the description of every other RPG, so let's make it a little more interesting. Let's add another aesthetic goal and say we also want to focus on sensation. Well, a good sensational thing in video games is music. Hearing is one of the five senses, after all. So we really want to focus on music aesthetically. What kind of dynamics lead to that? Sure, I guess we could just have good music, but let's really make this a core focus of the game and have music-related dynamics. Like, what if our overarching story is one about music? Maybe during the gameplay, we want the player to almost dance while in combat. The mechanics that leads to these dynamics are musical timed critical strikes and a character story and customization relative to musical themes. Now our RPG just got that much more interesting. And this is where I think the MDA framework opens up a bit because remember the paper recognizes that the eight categories of aesthetics that they tell you are not all of them. And you can kind of free choose whatever you see fits. So let's add another aesthetic. Let's add violence as an aesthetic. It's sort of an emotion and a feeling, and when done in video games, it can be compelling and fun. Look at games like Mortal Kombat or Doom. What type of dynamics does violence lead to? Or I guess it's the other way around. What kind of dynamics lead to the feeling of violence? Well, when combined with our musical dance idea, well, when combined with our musical dance idea, it could be cool to have the player doing dance-like movements while doing violent things, like dismembering enemies with a sharp weapon, or exploding things with magic while death metal or opera music plays over everything. What kind of mechanics do we need to implement to lead to that dynamic situation? Again, I think this ties well with our musically themed classes and mechanics. Musical cues and metal that correlate to dismembering critical strikes, for instance. Or that part in opera where the singer holds a really long note, that could be correlated to a player shooting a giant beam of magic. I hope you can see by iterating with the aesthetics of an RPG idea, we've not only come up with a cool, violent, musically themed RPG, but we also have all the mechanics of the game planned out, all the mechanics we'll need to see that idea through. Those mechanics, again, are the musically timed critical strikes, the musically themed classes and story. And with all this together, we now have a full vision for the game instead of just bits and pieces. I hope through that example you can see how nice this framework is, but I will admit it's not perfect and could be expanded for sure. 
firstly, the eight types of aesthetic fun are limited. Um, and the paper does acknowledge this and says it's not all inclusive, but even the categories they get are sometimes hard to understand what fits into the category. But basically, in the aesthetics department, I think you could really plug in anything that you can figure out is a fun emotion or experience and sort of drives that compelling part of your game. There is a whole nother research paper called the 611 Framework, by Roberto Dion, which tries to even further break down what compelling emotions are, and basically you can use that model to plug into the aesthetic step of the MDA model and get an even better understanding. The point is, is that there's lots of ways to customize this initial framework to your liking. Another criticism I've seen is that the paper really focuses on game mechanics and not other aspects of game design like level design or user experience, also known as UX. What you have to remember is that this paper was written in the early 2000s and game development, particularly in the AAA industry where a lot of this research stuff gets done, has come a long way since then. And yet, even with all those criticisms and how far we've come, the MDA framework remains to this day a fundamental tool for game design. So we had kind of a technical episode today and I want to recap what we talked about. Today's episode was about the MDA framework. The MDA framework is a framework for game design that attempts to create a cohesive model for games and their design. It has three components, mechanics, dynamics, and aesthetics. Mechanics are the individual actions and small systems that the player can do within the game. Dynamics are the next step, where the mechanics interact and evolve. It's what the players do with the mechanics that becomes the dynamics. And lastly, there's aesthetics, which are basically the emotions and sources of fun that the dynamics lead to. This paper mentions eight of them. It's stuff like challenge, fantasy, and narrative. Remember that mechanics lead to dynamics, and dynamics lead to aesthetics. But when coming up with a game design idea, it's actually really helpful to think about it in reverse. That way you're creating an idea based on an experience you want the player to have, and not just a list of features. By using the MDA framework in this fashion, I guess that would make it the ADM framework, you will have planned out a game idea complete with a summary of the core emotions and the reasons it's fun, connected all the way to the individual mechanics that make it so. Remember, the MDA framework does have its limitations, starting with its eight categories of fun. It's not an exhaustive list, and I would encourage you to expand upon this and find what emotions and experiences you think will lead to compelling gameplay. You might even look at something like the 611 framework, which may help you expand this step. Also remember that the MDA framework focuses pretty heavily on mechanics alone, and that's not the only thing that can lead to good game design. But despite its flaws, the MDA framework is still very useful for game design, and I hope that you'll use it in its principles for your next game dev project. And that's going to do it for me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did or didn't, please reach out to me on Twitter at underscore Zaccavelli underscore or by joining our community discord and discussing the episode under the episode discussion channel. Don't forget I am on Twitch at twitch.tv slash underscore and we do have a Patreon for the show. It's the best way to support the show. 
I'll leave a link to all of that and all the important stuff we talked about today in the show notes. With that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zaccavelli, and please excuse me while I go do some personal expression in The Sims. Sims.